I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. And in today's episode, our guest is Joey Spangler. Joe Spangler is a movie fanatic. He is the host or co-host of Ticket Stubs and also is a part of a local improv troupe of Mo of Men. And they're doing regular shows right now for the holiday season. Also, just from a side note, Joey, the reason I wanted him on the podcast is we were going to talk about all things superheroes because he is the only other person I know in my close friend group that is as much affected by the stories of Marvel and DC and all those superheroes that are part of American mythology, so to speak, nowadays. And right when it happened, or at least I started setting this up, uh, Stanley had passed away. And so I wanted to get him on the podcast just to kind of you know, remember the, the the legend that Stanley is or created because as a creator, he got to see his characters taken from, you know, words on a page or art on a page and transformed into real life characters, so to speak, you know, with Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine and Chris Evans playing Captain America. And we'll get into all those different superheroes and which ones resonate with each of us respectively. And um, it was a really great podcast. I, I love talking to Joey about his passions because he's really into movies and he does so many different kinds of shows. And one of his favorites, or at least the ones I like, because they're very candid, is uh, the parking lot reviews. So he goes and watch a singular episode or a rather movie. And then as soon as they leave, they go and sit in the car and set up a phone and record a short little review of that movie and it's pretty cool it's just very unique and you know don't really see stuff like that as as, you know a lot of review stuff is kind of sterilized so with that everyone please enjoy this conversation with joseph spangler Hello, everyone. We're back with another episode, and we're joined by Joey Spangler. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much, Eric, for having me on the show. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you, dude. It's been a long time coming on this one. And can, Give yourself a little bio. What do you do, and like, what are you interested in, and all that kind of stuff. Hi, everyone. Uh, like you said, I'm Joey. Uh, I currently am just, and kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit on this podcast. I'm a huge fan of Marvel. I love the, the films, uh, all the Marvel films so much. I also currently co-run a uh, movie YouTube channel called Ticket Subs, yep. so that's uh, a lot of fun doing, do movie reviews, and we we uh, sometimes do uh, the podcast as shows in there too, so that's a lot of fun. I'm also currently on a short-form improv team uh, of Mo of Men, really enjoy doing improv, and uh, that's we have a lot of fun, really awesome people on that team, and yeah, that, that's pretty much it cool. for now, that's yeah, I can we, think we, of. We can link to all that stuff in the show notes and everything like that so you can send people your way in all those things because it's pretty cool that uh-huh. you even do it because movies, movies are kind of your passion, you know, <laughs> they're your thing, specifically superhero movies, but you do a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, so what I, I reached out to Joey right after I'd found out about Stan Lee's passing and I, I know that 
Joey is probably the person who knows about superheroes as much, or at least resonates with the stories of certain certain characters, and we'll definitely dive into which one that is. No questions. <laughs> and uh, so I just wanted to have him on here, and we could just nerd out for for like an hour of talking about what these characters mean and and where you know why they resonate, and why even though Stanley's passed, I think you know the way because these stories are left behind, the, he's not going to be forgotten. You know. <laughs> Oh, totally. <laughs> kind of with that in mind, I with Stan Lee, I, I was, you know, such a legend. He created, like, just thinking, like, so much of today's, like, just pop culture phenomenon right. would not have would not be as successful yeah. as it is today without with with, with without what he did. I mean, uh, with him, without with without what him and his team did. Seriously, like, so like I resonate so much with some of these characters, and I just go I ahead and say which one so that people can <laughs> think about it. Seriously, like whatever you want to share, this is your platform. Uh, <laughs> for the, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Captain America. He's definitely my favorite, my favorite superhero. Real life Captain America sitting across from me right no, here. No, no, you're you're too kind. You're too kind. Um, yeah, they uh, Eric and a couple other of my buddies and friends. They all grouped together and bought me a Captain America shield. And it yeah, was one of the best thing ever. That was such ever. a cool. And so this shield is like one of the ones. It was like a movie prop replica, and it's like made out of aluminum and brushed steel and all this stuff. It looks really neat. And Joey like loved the thing. We surprised oh. him with. He had no idea what to. It was coming. It was, really it was cool. the greatest day ever. I could can't. I was. I was not expecting that. And it was awesome. Yeah, we can we can share a picture of that too. If you want to take a picture, we can throw it in the website page for the oh, for this that'd podcast. Oh, be awesome. We, really cool to share it with people um but yeah like so i was the reason i like wanted to talk about is like you know marvel and comic books itself have become like a a cultural mythology for america realistically right it's like the backbone of what we do like all the heroes have been around roughly around the 60s right you know with like i think technically captain america is probably the oldest i believe right yeah, I think his first comics. I think the, he originally started as war, in World War Two, kind of. Yeah, with right. What his origin of his character? So I think. Yeah. Started right around then. Yeah. So with that, like, you, I mean, these characters have a long lifespan, like <laughs> eighty years almost. A few of them was a hundred years, right? Oh, totally. And and you know, even though Stanley started all of it, even for even from now, he's he really wasn't having a hand in creating any of it anymore, right? And so I I just think it's really powerful that you can make these things with core ethos and core moral sense, right? And I think. What makes them different, makes Marvel different than most other stories, is that they weren't black and white, right? Like morally speaking, like these characters had depth and complexity, and they, you know, when you when I was watching stuff like Stanley had a whole bunch of you know remembering Stanley going around all week and things like that, and they would talk about how, you know, he he was always saying, "I want the heroes to be believable." Like you could turn a corner and you could see those characters in real life, right? Grounded them in some way. And I think that's really an important, like, core theme of them. Because otherwise, if, if you can't resonate with them or be see them as believable, <laughs> what do you have, right? It's just a fiction. Exactly. That is so perfectly said. <laughs> I I forgot which interview it was or what I read. It, it might have been one of just a news segment on after, a, yeah. after the news uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, just Stanley talking about Peter Parker and how he's this character yeah, that exactly. that so many kids in high school can relate to, and how <laughs> you know they, they, he purposely they, like he he didn't make him like a successful you know person outside yeah. of Spider Man. He made him kind of just this average person, but that's yeah. what's awesome about it because <laughs> everyone can relate to that right. in a way. 
I mean, who doesn't, who ha- can't remember a time, especially if you're a nerdy boy, <laughs> back in high school, if you're any, anyone like that, you, you had a point where you could have easily resonated with, with Spider-Man and anything he was going through, and I mean, that's who I, I, I've said this on podcasts before, but that's who I've resonated with growing up and still do to this day, I mean, no, actually not down here, but all up in my room, I have like posters of Spider-Man and everything like that. Hey, it's awesome. I still have comic books, I still collect the comic books to this day, and so for me, like, when I, when I see things like... I don't know, when I think of, like, creating stuff now, and, like, because I have the podcast, and you probably feel this to some degree, too, it's, like, once you create it, it's, like, you know, people say, oh, it's great that you have that. I don't really feel ownership to it in some, to some level. It's, like, like once it leaves, like, once I'm done doing the thing, right, the act of creating, and then I, like, put it out on the internet, it I don't feel like it's my thing anymore. It's, like, a collective Thing. like especially when I have guests on here and like it, it's it, like it wouldn't exist unless I had you here recording it with me right like having the other person with the having the conversation is what gives it its special flavor you know it's kind of weird right where it's kind of yeah it can be said about comic books too, right that's, what yeah, saying, that's like, a really great metaphor for that like because comic books is like you create the character but then it's like the artist has to make it real right and then the the writer who writes the words adds their own thing to it and then now it's like even though Stanley doesn't, he had the initial version of it, you have all these same versions that just map along that, like, what is Spider-Man, right? Or what is Captain America? Or any of the heroes that we see, and then they've been able to take it to the next level, right? Where they go to the big screen, right? And oh, then it's yeah. and then it's become a phenom, a global phenomenon, where, phenomenon rather, where I don't even know, like, I don't know, for, for someone like me to like understand that and, like, think about it, right? Like, Stanley, right? He was just some guy who's like, I want to write comic books. And then for somehow his his dream to turn into the biggest movie franchises ever, right? And you can add more to that because you you follow it so much more closely than I do. <laughs> it's just so unbelievable to think, like, like you said, when he was creating these comics, when he was kind of starting Spider-Man, to think that arguably that the, the time in your life when you're going to be the most kind of well-known and the most, like just part of pop culture is when you're in your late 80s and early 90s like that's something that so many people just don't expect yeah and it's kind of like it's almost like inspirational way that like i think it absolutely is like what if like if you're if your life you know might not be a certain might not be the way you want it but it just goes like still no matter how when you follow your dream or your passion or whatever your thing is Mm -hmm. right and obviously stanley knew of his success to some degree when when he was younger just because the the characters were more successful successful back then too but now like you said it's a pop culture phenomenon you go to any store there's marvel chewing gum marvel Marvel everything every single thing possible right it's crazy it's just so crazy and i think it really shows that you know, if you believe in something and you... True and believer. You, right. Like, yeah. You know, to use the titling of Spider-Man, right? True believer was, I think, that was one of the first comic book titles, I believe. And, and like, it, when I think about it, it's like, it just really shows, goes to show, like, if you have a core principle of, like, what you're trying to to give, like, put, give to your own audience, right? Like, he, I don't think he wrote, he wrote to, start, like, himself, like, himself, basically, right? Like, he's the themes that he felt about his own worldviews and things like that, that's what he put into his characters, right? So it's little parts of him in all of them, right, in whatever way. And then he, he added something different in the comic books themselves that was like, um, I can't remember the name of the thing off the top of my head right now, but it was like Stanley's Soapbox or whatever, where at the end of the, it was like an editor's column at the back of the every comic book. And it, was, it wasn't it was it wasn't like scripted, like, here are your letter, like here's like, you know, whatever, big, big, <laughs> big bureaucratic, conversational things it was it was like stan lieb the the writer editor whatever just talking to his fans 
and being candid about it, right? Think of like a blog post nowadays where you just go online and you find, find a well-written blog post where someone's not going to sell you something or just they're just going to be direct at you and be like, hey, this is what's going on at Marvel, right? And I think that really kind of shifted for, you know, because you felt connected. Like it was like when people talk about what that meant to them, it was like Stanley was talking to you at the end of whatever comic book, right? And I think that really resonates with people, right? When you feel like you have that special attention of someone. <laughs> oh, totally. And that kind of reminds me of, there was that uh, the episode of the Spider-Man cartoon in the, in the 90s where Stanley actually meets Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of that, too. Just like... That's my favorite cartoon ever. Oh, I still, that was awesome. It's, all, it's on Amazon if you ever want Oh, it. okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's you, awesome. you got to pay for it, though, but it's completely worth the money. Oh, totally. <laughs> I was trying to find it for the longest time, like if I could find it on DVD or something, but then I like was just Googling around and it came up on Amazon video, and I was like, oh. There we go. I'm like, yes, I can relive my childhood, because that's how I got into Spider-Man. Okay, that was the awesome. first thing I ever watched when I was like five. Like, <laughs> Was that on uh, WB Kids or something, something like, like the morning? It might have been ABC. It was like a Saturday morning cartoon, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was like my first experience to Spider-Man. I think that really captured it. And I, and sometimes I try to like think back of like, what were those like core things? And when I look at that cartoon itself is it was dealing with some pretty intense, like moral questions as a cartoon show for kids. And I was like, that's weird. Right. And then, and then it also had a whole bunch of like technology, sciencey things in there, like with like Michael Morbius, who's like a vampire character in Spider-Man and, you know, it's, like, all this kind of science stuff of, like, creating all the heroes, right? Where, like, most of Spider-Man heroes are, one, animal-based, and then they do science, or some sort of science that turns them into those and villains and things like that. Like, Spider-Man was, like, bitten by a radioactive spider, right? And so I'm, like, I think about that sometimes. I'm, like, is that why I'm so into science and engineering and all this kind of stuff? And, like, biology? It's really weird when I start to think about it because I'm, like, there's a lot of core themes that kind of mirror those things for me because it's, like... You know, it's not just like you're... They just explain away things with Spider-Man. They, they use science to be the backbone of why he's a superhero, right? Because he's, he's kind of like got superpowers, but he's also like kind of like Stony, Tony, Stony, <laughs> Tony Stark, where he builds his own gadgets and like web shooters, unless you watch some of the other newer stuff where he has them in his own wrists. But like, you know, where it's like a combination of you can use your science... To augment your own superpowers, right, and be better. It's kind of cool. In my oh, <laughs> totally. And if you're a kid watching that, do you think like, if I, I if I do science, maybe I can make that, my own make spider my own. suit, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's a, I never like that's such a perfect way to put that. I like that. <laughs> I think it's really cool, right? Because it kind of like you get to ask yourself questions about like, hey, maybe we could figure out how to do that, right? And I think that's, I mean, you can even see stuff like that nowadays where. This is kind of just zooming back from just superhero stuff. But if you look at how our technologies traversed the landscape in the last, like, 30-ish years, right? You look at something like an iPad, right? That looks like a data pad from Star Wars. Legitimately. It totally does. Right? Like, you, you sure, some of it's translucent and things like that. But you forget about that part and think, like, realistically, that data pad idea already exists. I mean, even if you just count our phones, there's a, a smaller version of that thing. That's really cool, right? It shows the power of these sci-fi elements and these different things, right? Like, even though it's quote-unquote entertainment and sci-fi and not real, it's still kids nowadays are going to look at it and re- watch it and be like, huh, 
maybe I could, like, you know, in the back of their head, maybe they don't think it could be real, but in the head, it is real for them as they're experiencing it, right? And then they grow up and they become whoever they want to be. And then maybe some of them, you know, 1% of them become engineers, right? And all of a sudden, they're the ones who get to say, hmm, maybe I can actually make that. Right. I mean, like I said, there's got to be at least one person out there who watches Spider-Man or Iron Man or right. Especially Iron Man is just chock full of just invention. Oh, that that can that 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 that's probably uh, there's got to be someone out there who's like gonna build an Iron Man suit one day. It'd be so cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so now let's 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 talk about your favorite hero and what what like how did you get into Captain America and all that stuff and Captain oh good old Cap. Well, first <laughs> off, shout out Stanley definitely uh, played a part with Cap, but I also want to give a shout out to Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I forget if it's just one of them or two of them, but they both played a very big role in kind of just the overall creation of that character. Yeah. I mean, most of the writers like we mm-hmm. I think we overcredited a little bit to Stanley, but I mean it was really a team effort with like the oh totally Stanley as I mean, the Stanley definitely writer. nailed the whole he yeah. nailed the uh, the personality aspect right. of it. Right, he was the head writer for those things, but then there was also Jack Kirby and uh, I can't remember the other drawer artist that was working on Spider Man off the top of my head, but yeah, there's like those guys that were the the trio and stuff like that that really brought these oh, characters to life in the totally. beginning. Uh, but Captain, he this all started. Oh, I, weirdly enough, I have to give first off. I need to give credit to a very random movie franchise. Uh, so no, I, I can I, I acknowledge that these films aren't that great. But when I the, the Transformers, the first three Transformers films are the films that got me into movies in general. Mm-hmm. I remember watching those movies, and I was just like, it is amazing what computers can do to make a like you can make literally anything in a computer in a film mm-hmm. and just make these just. The first Transformers was pretty good. Third one was very entertaining. Second one, I'm just gonna. That was not good movie <laughs> at all. You like? I'll just forget about that one. That one. <laughs> that one was bad. But it was a. But it had some good CGI too. But uh, but uh, anyways. But Captain. So that got me into movies. So I really started getting okay. into it more. So that was the trigger, basically. Yeah, that was like, oh my, movies can. They can build these universes and yeah. stuff and. And if if that when that happened, the Transformers movie. I mean, when I saw movies that did like universes, like. Mm-hmm. It had the actual kind of story compared yeah. to the Transformers movies. Uh, side note: I am excited for the Bumblebee movie coming out. I think that one will kind of re- yeah, this, reboot this, the that's franchise. That's like a pre- prequel, technically, right? Yeah, like a prequel reboot kind yeah. of thing. They got a new director. They have, uh, and he's the guy who did Kubo and the Two Strings, which got really great reviews. So I'm hoping uh, Travis Knight. I hope. I hope it's. Cool. Uh, but anyways, back to Cap. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll tangent into a different movie. I just thought remembered after you finish your story. Yes, we got this. <laughs> uh, so junior year of high school, that's when mm-hmm. I saw. Uh, we watched it in social studies class. Oh really? Yeah, it was Captain America: First Avenger. That's hilarious. They use that as like a World War Two movie. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> and uh, and to some for some reason that just character, because I mean so many. So many, obviously, so many superheroes are good. Like they're like, and I think Peter Parker also shares this aspect with Cap. Mm-hmm. I just think these these characters, like, part of their stories, part of their arcs, is just good for the sake of good. And I think that right. is just so that's inspirational. I mean, there's a certain level too. Like, I mean, just to kind of like reiterate for those of you who don't know what Captain America's story is, if you haven't seen the movie, which I'm assuming many of you have, <laughs> um, like. You know, he he went in and tried to be serve his country in World War Two, right? But he was scrawny, like this little twerpy guy, and and he had like asthma, and he couldn't run, he couldn't, he wasn't strong, and all this stuff. But he had heart, right? He had like this certain perseverance and just like 
I don't even know what the best way of like it's like a determination that no matter how many times you get your ass kicked, you're just gonna try. And you're just it's like stubbornness to some degree, right? Oh totally. But but he still wanted to, right? And he put everything into it and someone saw that in him and he was injected with a super soldier serum. And but there was a side effect of this serum that I don't know if they really cover it too well in the movies, but basically it takes whatever your core, like your moral compass is and amplifies that too. So if you're, you're a horrible person, you're going to be even more horrible when you come out of your procedure of becoming a super soldier. And so someone like Steve Rogers, when he gets injected with it, it amplifies his own personal characteristics, his own determination, his own moral compass and all that stuff, which is kind of an interesting, you know, idea, right? Like if you think about characters themselves, (laughs) <laughs> oh, totally. Like, uh, and kind of what you're saying, I, I think they do mention that a little bit with Red Skull and how he, yeah. and how it took him and made it, made him even more kind of evil, villain and right. evil. But yeah, I think that's why it was so important to Dr. Uh, Abraham Erskine and they got this guy to be the one for the serum program. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, if, if it, it amplifies your core, and I, I'd really, I'm interested to, uh, I, I uh, that's a cool. I like that. Kinda, yeah, that's a cool. The serum improvise. I think he says the serum improvises everything that it does. So it, yeah, cool. it amplifies. Mm. Um, so then going on from there, what is so from the movie? Didn't it just? And yeah, and I really, I think like I really want to give credit to Chris Evans's portrayal right, role. Yeah. I think that also too, because I mean I played Marvel Ultimate Alliance and mm-hmm. I did, Captain America was in that game too. Right. But I think Chris Evans just made it so made because I think in a lot of the original like the video games, it kind of the, some of the stuff that. Uh, caps in like he's a great character, but I I feel like he can be kind of generalized as his, as like uh just like you know just your traditional too, too, too patriotic kind too, of thing. yeah <laughs> that kind of like hello everyone that yeah. kind of which so is you, great too you just imagine that the wa- the waving of the American flag is in a watermark behind him or something like yeah, that yeah something like that <laughs> or he yeah that's or he's uh but Chris Evans just made this character so relatable and it right. made and he made you think like you know th- like there's this awesome actor playing this awesome guy and yeah. he's just like maybe you know you could be like that one day you know right. you could be that you know he, the way he plays the character and he plays him in this way too it's just so like you want when you watch him on screen when you see him interact with characters mm-hmm. i part- i love how he makes the other characters want to be the best versions of themselves yeah. too and i think that's just so cool and it feels like a natural leader kind of thing too right like it really comes off of like that he's 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 cap right you yeah, know totally and I, I think too the like you're you're saying is the i think it's the part of the magic of why marvel cinema works is the casting of who they picked as the lead roles right because it's kind of a tall order to think about it. Oh, totally. Right? 12 film contracts. Like, like they co- have to be this guy. Like, yeah, like crazy f- contracts, but also like just getting it right. Who's going to portray this character, right? Like, because we've, we've been talking about <laughs> what it's like to create these things, right? But then it's a whole other thing to translate what's on a written page. You don't have to worry about voice. You don't have to worry about like what, like actually, like all of the subtext, right? Because it's a kind of like, in a comic book, it's kind of covered up, right? It's like, you got word bubbles on screen, but you're not really worrying about the in-between, right? The in-between is done by the imagination of the reader. Oh, totally. <laughs> Where, like, when you take these things in, in in movie form, that all has to be portrayed properly to make it... Yeah, this is the one that everyone's going to see. Right, everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to see how that character is bears itself on the screen, right? And it just kind of makes sense to that... Like, it doesn't make sense, really. Like It's a really tall order. And then somehow they just find these guys, and they just... It just kind of works right i mean but there's not ones that they've made it all the way but this is kind of before the cinematic universe but like hulk right 
<laughs> Hulk was not very good the first time around. <laughs> yeah, they've had, uh, I mean, they've chose great actors for just the movies. It's just something else. Some of the actors just don't work. Some of the factors just don't work out. Yeah, and I like. I mean, even Spider-Man himself has kind of had th- issues, and I think part of it too is like I actually heard really good. You might like actually enjoy this, but so there's good criticism for the Andrew Garfield version of Spider-Man, and saying that he wasn't actually an accurate portrayal of Peter Parker. Because what happened is his persona, right, that kind of skater kid, she was basically too confident for the most of the movie. And I, I and as after I reread this article, I was like, huh, they're kind of right. Oh, totally. Right? You know, he's yeah. too confident because Peter Parker was always like, when he wasn't in as Spider-Man, he was always that, I don't really know who I am. I don't know what, like, what my limits are. I'm just trying to figure everything out. I'm barely getting by and then also I'm a superhero on the side like and that's when like when he put his costume on that's when he felt like he was himself to some degree right it's like the character the character and the costume are one thing <laughs> and it's interesting for me to think about that like from a portrayal standpoint where like the actor gets to choose what they want to do and then I'm like hmm now I get it right like whereas I think like um I think Tom Holland's Spider-Man is way better and more truer to the what I view Peter Parker as Oh, totally. He is just very relatable, and they definitely, I think they nailed that balance between Spider-Man and Peter Parker really well in that Mm -hmm. series. And I think it's just like, like there's so, like, there's never a moment in that series where you're like, this is clearly just an adult trying to be Spider-Man. Like, it feels like, like, it's it's so relatable. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because he's like, is he like his 20s-ish? Yeah, he's, I I think he's 23. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. Or 22. Which is crazy, right? Can you imagine being like a 22-year-old and you're playing like the biggest superhero (laughs) in the world Mm -hmm. and you get to work with like... (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and all those guys. Like, it's crazy. It's so crazy to me. Like, Mm -hmm. you're kind of this unknown actor and all of a sudden you're like, hey, you get the role to be Spider-Man for the next eight movies or something. In fact, he's like, he literally... And I know we were talking a little bit about how they... Some of the stories in Spider-Verse shows Peter Parker and his... When he's like 30s, 40s. Right, yeah. Like, if they keep this going, he could... Play him for the next 20 years. I mean, I don't know if they will. I don't know how many people would want to do that, though, right? I mean, Chris Evans just announced that he's done, right? Yeah. And I mean, I feel like Johnny Jr. is probably going to say that, too, right? Because it's it's a long time to play one character. Oh, totally. I think it's 10 years for... Chris Evans at this point, and oh, longer for Downey Jr. <laughs> like he, he's really like they've really, you know, for having ten a decade worth of your life being this one thing, it's kind of got to be a drag for and you as a person, right? Because it's kind of hard to push your own envelope from a, from an acting standpoint if you're always playing one character. Oh, totally, <laughs> and, and especially I, I think uh, Downey's uh, filmography for the last like. Five to ten years has just been mostly, probably 75%, Tony Stark yeah, slash Iron Man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's crazy. And, I mean, if you want to, like... And, I mean, as an actor, you probably want to do a variety of projects. Yeah, I mean, like step out of the shadows, yeah. so to speak. But, I mean, yeah, but, I mean if... Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that can definitely kind of diverse yourself from that. But, I might add, but uh, yeah, it's, it'd be fun to be a superhero, too. <laughs> right. If, I mean, who wouldn't want yeah. it, right? <laughs> I mean, it's such a huge mantle to carry, right? Like, I think... Oh, totally. From, uh, from the other side of part of it, too, is, like, Hugh Jackman, right? Like, I don't know... I don't know who, if they... Who, if slash when they, like, announce who's oh, going to be portraying... Portraying Wolverine next, right? But there's... I think it's so soon that, like, you're going to need to... Like, it'd probably be better for you to wait, like, five years and <laughs> then announce the next Wolverine just so people kind of forget about who held the role, Right? Because, I mean, I think with Logan, it was such a masterful, like, capstone to the to what his, what Wolverine and Logan was, you know, and just let it be a thing, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, they, 
Yeah, I think I think Amazing Spider-Man was five years after the original one with Toby. Yeah, with Toby, and I remember that feeling kind of quick still. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they really the only the way they probably will do it, I think, is they'll just go the because I, I mean, well, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is perfect. But I think people probably want to see the the yellow suit now. So they'll probably mm-hmm. go the yellow suit route and kind of just go the most comic, comic guess. Go as comic, comic book esque yeah, as possible. As you can with it. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, I could see that. That's interesting. And then the other one, oh, what was it? Like, is there any other movies on, like, just so kind of stepping away, but just talking about movies now. What, is there any movies on your radar, right, that you're looking forward to or anything like that? I got oh. another question after that that I just remembered. Oh, that's, that's I love, uh, <laughs> 2019 definitely has, uh. I could I could probably sit here and talk about Avengers four for a long time, but we'll we'll not we'll go we'll step away from that for now. Uh, and all there's Spider Man coming on two months after that. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely excited for uh, Glass in January. I just saw uh, a trailer for that yesterday. I'm so excited. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. I love Unbreakable. So, so do you? Yeah. So do you know anything about that? Because I didn't watch it, and I it, the the main character we're one of the main characters in Glass is Split, right? The character from Split. Yeah, so the the way well, Unbreakable. Uh, I was with Alex, my uh, our, uh, my the person I run the uh, Ticket Subs podcast with. So mm-hmm. uh, he's awesome, and we just we uh, we always like trying new films and watching stuff. Right. We heard good things about Unbreakable, so he, he suggested it. We watched it on Netflix. It was awesome, mm-hmm. and then uh, Split came out a couple years after that, and we. We didn't get a chance to go see it in theaters, but then we, of course, yeah. we heard. So, we, what's the synopsis of like those movies? Like, if you can give like a two sentence summary of like what those were without spoilers, if possible. <laughs> uh, we'll start with Unbreakable. We'll go spoiler free. Uh, yeah. Spoiler free plot. Uh, Bruce Willis uh, finds out he's Unbreakable. Sa- oh, okay. Samuel Jackson's character is interested in that. That's mm-hmm. I'll leave it there. Yeah. Split. Uh, James McAvoy plays a character with multiple personalities, and. And, uh, well, if you've seen the Glass trailer, you know that they're kind of... Yeah, these are, like, powers, like, around that split personality, basically, or... Yeah, so... I was kind of confused. The trailer looks fantastic for, for, uh, uh, Glass. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll, as my, uh, I'll leave the... In case anyone wants to watch Split, I'll leave it at what what you've seen in the Glass trailer. Definitely has a payoff in Split. Okay, cool. So I, I've, been meaning, I've been debating whether or not to buy Split and watch that before I go see Glass because I really like, I like in general like thriller type movies mm-hmm. and I really and when I saw Split I was like I didn't see Split but I wanted to see it. Oh, it's <laughs> such a cool like uh yeah the the uh, it's always good to see M Night Shyamalan make a good good film. Yeah, no, he's kind of one of those guys that. <laughs> Sometimes he had a bad reputation when I was in high school, where he, would, you know, it's the end. My Shyamalan twist was the thing that everyone would say. <laughs> oh man, what's the twist going to be in Glass? I wonder. It's got to be something, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's really cool. Uh, any of those other ones? Uh, that's pretty recent, right? That yes, yeah, like the January that that one comes out yeah. for Glass. Oh, and there's I re- like uh, there's a Ford versus Ferrari movie coming out. I'm not sure what? when. <laughs> it's going to be about the 1960s Le Mans races with uh, with. Hmm. Uh, Carol Shelby and uh, the uh, I don't remember his name, but the head of Ferrari at the time, so yeah. Hugh Jackman and Matt Damon. Uh, oh, I think I saw a trailer for this like a month or so uh, ago. Yeah, I love a good I love a good automotive history movie, so I'm excited oh, really? for that one. Is that like your other other interest? <laughs> Cars. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, ironically Transformers got me into those too. Really? Yeah. Wow. Those, the, I owe Transformers a lot. So do, you have, you. do you have a favorite car? Audi R8. That's oh, okay. My, my, what's your favorite car? I'm not really big into cars. Mm-hmm. 
It'd probably be a Tesla. If I had oh, it. Teslas are awesome. You know, I mean, it's, it's, because I'm an engineering nerd, so it's, it's kind oh, they're of... they're so cool. They're so cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, they just look like little spaceships, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, I'm, not, I'm not super into cars, but I mean, from a technical standpoint, it's kind of insane that they even work, right? Oh, I mean, totally. there's so many moving parts and stuff like that. I've listened to a few podcasts on, like, the uh, Formula Formula One racing and things like that and how those cars work. And they, oh, it's unbelievable. It, so much... It's crazy. Calculations. Right. So, much, <laughs> so, so weird. Variables. It's such a different world, right? <laughs> um, and then the next one is, so this is an idea I had ran into recently too, is the idea of sequels. So sometimes movies are really, really good, right? But if it's really good, does it mean it needs to make a franchise? That is a very <laughs> good point. I, I definitely, I think with any comic book movies, I think sequels, I mean, that's fine. I think just because there's so many stories to tell, right, and so many kind of things to base those stories off of. So when it, when you hear like a sequel is like a, but then you'll hear something like they're trying to make a cinematic universe out of something that mm-hmm. that could be cool, but they probably aren't going to take their time on it because they just want to make cinematic universe and make money out of it. Basically, yeah, <laughs> it's I know, I know a big a popular example of that is Universal trying to make a cinematic universe out of their dark universe with the monsters from the 1940s oh, with okay. like uh wolfman and the okay and uh a uh, couple other the creatures from back then like the horror film yeah. the old school horror films which could be really cool like yeah, put those all right. together but i think they really wanted to rush into that unfortunately mm-hmm. but i i wish you know they i would be cool if they cause that's a cool idea yeah and i know they were talking about doing a uh cinematic universe i for who i forgot who got the rights for it but somebody got the rights to do, like, uh, I think G.I. Joe, Transformers, and a couple of our Hasbro properties. Sounds like Universal might be the ones. Yeah, someone like that. They might have, yeah, I think they all have that. They want to do something with like that, too, which could be really cool, too. But I guess they, I think they just really need to, to it's frustrating, because Bumblebee yeah. looks like it would be an awesome movie. And, I, and that kind of looks like its own thing. Right, it's, if, to me it felt like its own thing when yeah. I like watched the trailer for that. Um, and it kind of segues into the natural question is, where is DC going wrong? Like, what would like in your opinion, right? Like, do you see like what is is DC just trying to move too quickly to catch up with Marvel or what? Like, what do you see? Because obviously DC is not doing as well cinematically. And is, is there anything from your like you know since you're exposed to so many films at this point, you kind of have like this I, better like frame of reference? Because I don't really watch much of DC. I've watched. I watch more of the DC TV shows on the CW network with the Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl, and I really enjoy those. Yeah, ones. I love this. They, I love. I've seen so many. I was like some of this thing. That I love how they do the villains in those shows. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's something about those that capture the magic of those characters and kind of update them today's standards, right? Where they give them that moral complexity and you know kind of stuff. Where it feels like in the movies that it's rushed, and it's like they don't know what they're trying to do, right? So. Take it away. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I definitely, I think at least in the beginning, DC didn't really know what. Like, I think they really wanted to be what had be, to have what Marvel had very quickly. Yeah. Uh, because Man of Steel, I, I enjoyed some aspects of that, and Batman v Superman had some really cool ideas in it too. And I think that could have, and they do some scenes really well, and then some other scenes are kind of questionable. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is great too. I like Wonder Woman out of all of them. I think the best. Yeah, it definitely felt like its own kind of self-contained thing, yeah. which is. And the fact, like, like, uh, it's kind of, uh, I know these films haven't come out yet, but both mm-hmm. Aquaman and Shazam, yeah. the trailers for those, they really look like their own self-contained things. And I remember mm-hmm. when I saw Shazam, I was like, 
Okay, I'd love to see this yeah. character interact with some of the other characters we saw in the other DC. I films. really like Zachary Levi. So the the lead role. Of, oh, he's awesome. The lead role for Shazam is Zachary Levi. He's was the lead character in Chuck. He was Chuck, and I mean that's one of my favorite all-time TV shows. I mean, I still I don't ever see season of that one. I I still watch it every now and then because that's like one of those things. Is it was like a, a TV show written like a comic book in some ways. It actually had a few of its own comic book releases. Oh, and I have those, <laughs> of course. But, like, yeah, I, I, I think that one looks great, and I really like the lead role again in uh, Aquaman 2 that he played uh, Cal Drogo. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. but uh, oh, he's awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it, I think those two look pretty good. And I think, I think too, is, like, they've really taken their time on them, right, where they haven't rushed it. I think it's almost similar to that of what Disney's dealing with with Star Wars. Oh, that's a perfect right? analogy for that. <laughs> where, where, like... D- Disney's, like, had this production plan of, like, we're going to just turn into, you know, this mass, quote-unquote, mass production of films for Star Wars, right? Where it's, like, one year is the main storyline, the other year is an offshoot, you know, a Star Wars story, right? Mm -hmm. And the first, I don't know, I think the, like, episode seven and eight, eh, but, like, the, um... Rogue One, fantastic. Oh, Rogue One, that's probably, a fun one to watch. Probably one of the best Star Wars movies, hands down. Like, up there within the original trilogies and things like that. But then, like, the Han Solo didn't get good reviews, which I don't think was Han Solo's fault, the, like, the movie itself. I think it was mostly a burnout factor. Because right around that same period, it was like you'd just seen one Star Wars movie for episode eight, and then you had seen like all these, like, there's at least two or three other, like, superhero, like, sci fi genre ish movies are in the same area i think oh. it was i think it was like deadpool 2 right yeah oh, right avengers before deadpool 2 right and, all then, and then it was han solo yeah. and it was like oh my god like unless you're like a fan you're kind of like i don't really want to go to the movies because i've already been to the movies like for the last at least once a month <laughs> for the last three months it's you you kind of have a burnout like a lot of people are just not going to care right oh totally and i think i really wish like could i i it was like i, I remember seeing that movie on a thursday night yeah, and it was there was probably there really was there was not that many people in the theater. Really, there I mean there was, but compared to like when when the episode movies, yeah, it's like a big release night. Of and some I sort. think it felt it felt odd going into a Star Wars movie when it was like hot outside. I don't know why <laughs> that, that has probably nothing to do with anything. But I remember like because yeah, it was a May release, right? Yeah, I I remember thinking like we should all be in winter jackets right now. Like it should be dark outside. It, it was should like, be a Deborah's December release, right? Yeah, December. I think if. The, I, I really would like to have seen an all I, I would like to see an alternate universe where that movie releases in December. Mm-hmm. Just but I mean I I understand why they couldn't this year. We have Bumblebee, Mary Poppins, Aquaman. There's like every movie ever is releasing <laughs> in December of this year. But on oh, Spider Man and also into the Spider Verse. Yeah, that's in like a month basically. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah, like you said, I don't the movie is pretty uh, the movie's re- like almost yeah, it's a really cool kind of rogue what kind of what Rogue One did kind of some cool aspects like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's. Definitely, anticip- I think they made a good move. Kind of Star Wars Episode Nine. That's still a year away. Yeah, I feel like that's gonna I think be. I think give people a break, right? Yeah, I mean it's kind of like what. So this podcast, right? Like, so I could do like the quote unquote talk show thing, right? Where I come out with an episode every day or whatever. But like, if you don't give it space to breathe, right? Like, I could come out with a great episode that has a whole bunch of takeaways and people could have fine entertaining and stuff like that, right? But if you but if you over release things, people it doesn't get that time to marinate, right? And spread and propagate and let people get their hands on it because like these longer form, like especially from a movie standpoint, right? Like you spend all this effort to do it and it takes two hours. Someone has to commit that time to do it, right? Same thing with these podcasts; they they last like an hour. You got to commit the time to to listen to the whole thing. 
So to say that someone's going to be able to put in, you know, an hour every day, right? Because unless you're someone who really likes podcasts or really likes the person's podcast itself, you might not have that much time to be able to dedicate to listening. You know, maybe you only listen when you're commuting. And it's, maybe your commute's only 20 minutes, so you got to commute three days to finish the whole thing. <laughs> and I, and I, it's part of, like, that thing is where you kind of have to just find your own balance, I think, with some of these things. Oh, totally. You know, and so it's kind of like, okay, just do once a week. And then if you make a backlog, that's good for you because you don't have to worry about having a cycle as much, you know, where, like, oh, no, do I have a podcast recorded for this week? That kind of thing. But I think that's a whole different discussion of, like, how to run a thing, right? <laughs> I mean, you might even ask, like, how do you guys do it for you guys? Because you have a whole bunch of different formats for ticket stubs. <laughs> Well, we definitely, when we, we were both living in the same area, it was definitely a lot easier right, to kind of... He's downtown now, right, for Alex, or is he still in school? Oh, uh, he's on uh, mid-Kansas. Oh, really? He yeah. moved all the way? Dang. Yeah, <laughs> but we def- we still try to get a show in every once in a while. Right. But, uh, yeah, when we first started up, we tried to do we had, uh, we tried to do a show every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Get, uh, we used to have the studio in his basement, and we'd get, like, a okay. guest on. Yeah. So that was definitely a more conventional format. Now, uh, we it's more... And because we're both, we don't have uh, kind of a, we don't really have a set system at the moment. It's right. kind of just, but like, it kind of works out well because uh, like a big movie comes out probably once every couple weeks, every yeah. Friday. So probably we try to, try to get a video about once a week. Okay. So I think, yeah, it works. And the, and I like we have the different formats too. Yeah. And the parking lot reviews are, they're about probably like four to five minutes on average. Okay. Those are pretty easy videos to post. I mean, and those are kind of fun, right? Like, yeah. Just like sit down right after the movie. Exactly. You're, you're, so you're animated about thing. it. And <laughs> Yeah, so in the, and if we did, if we still did the kind of the podcast format or the one, because I, I miss doing that a lot, we probably would do about this, probably the same kind of what you were saying, like in space was out a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, like you said, viewers, they have, don't only have so much time. Yeah, everyone's so, busy. Yeah. <laughs> so what, yeah, I like, I like, that's a perfect way to put it. But yeah, and then the fun videos, you kind of just post as whatever we get yeah. a chance to. I mean, I, I can show you after this some of the things you can use to record on your computer if you oh. want to record via Skype or something like that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so you, you don't have to be in the same room to, to record a thing, basically. And that's how that's how I actually do a separate podcast for uh, a video game. And I recorded everything on that computer, and I use a program. I use Discord as, okay, our, chat, awesome. as our chat service, mm-hmm. and then I record it with a, a third-party, um, basically, uh, virtual mixer. Oh, awesome. And it records it directly to the computer. It saves it a wave, wave file, and you just drop it into uh, any sort of audio editor, and then you just so you can, upload it, <laughs> you know? So you could, if like um, if like Owen Wilson was like, hey, want to do a show? You yeah. Could, you don't know why I said Owen yeah. Wilson. <laughs> yeah, of all just of someone all, random. Of all of her. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I see so many memes of that now. <laughs> I saw a guy doing like deadlifts, and they put they put his head on the end of the barbell, like where the weights were. That and is every, awesome. Every time he stood up to do a rep, it was wow. <laughs> I think the world would just be a better place if that if that could, if that was a thing. It made me laugh, so it did its, did its job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, like it, I mean, it's really easy to start like using the like leveraging the internet. Mm-hmm. To, to do a show like the guy I record with is on the east coast <laughs> so I've never actually seen his face but we record it and it goes out every week hey that's it, awesome it's really cool especially yeah. on podcasting kind of create these like uh, relationships with right. people who are also fans of yeah just- I mean I actually recorded another one for the, actually this podcast mm-hmm. that she's uh, she's also on the east coast too mm-hmm. and she's an old classmate of ours and <laughs> at, at, from Conant and awesome. then she we lost obviously never really talked to her since then and I was just like reached out to her I saw her on Instagram and was like hey do you want to come on the podcast and that's the best way to you, do that. That's you know, and then it t- turns into its own little story. It's really, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, like 
it, you can really create your own format and like distance isn't a thing anymore. As long as the people on the other on both ends have decent microphones and all that stuff and decent internet connection at the very least. <laughs> That's the most important right, thing. Right, you know, you can make anything easy, right? Like I mean blue yeti I I love these microphones. Yeah, that's man. a cool mic. I love the color. Yeah, I mean that's why it's like that's the same one over there too. I've two of these things, and I have my brother has one. Like it's yeah, it, the, the the amount of like equipment you need to make a quality sounding podcast or anything is pretty easy. It's like pretty low bar right now. <laughs> oh, totally. And like obviously this sounds so much better than like. But even if like you just set up your like a even a phone, uh, yeah, phone recording it in your car yeah. or like somewhere where it's kind of quiet, you could still get decent audio. Oh, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think sometimes people like. Just from a creation standpoint, you probably agree with me on some, but you kind of see other people doing things you enjoy, and you're like, man, I wish I could do that, right? You think of that, <laughs> but then you're like, oh, mine wouldn't be as good because I don't have X, right? Whatever X might be. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you just do it and yeah, you enjoy you it, it, yeah, yeah like, you, fun. like you save up for that microphone or whatever you want. Because like by the act of starting it and trying, I think you kind of learn and get the kinks out and stuff. Because and, you're not worrying about the quality. The quality is like you enjoying it, right? The process of getting into all of it, right? Because if I were, like, that's how I think about it. It's like if I were to be like, oh no, like I can't do this because X or whatever, like someone else is already doing something better, like, or they can get fancy guests of like famous people, right? Yeah. Eh, like, no, like I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Like maybe that, maybe that is true, right? But then I can find my own interesting guests in my own way, right? Oh, leverage, totally. leverage people in their own way or find interesting people that have their own spin on whatever they're curious in, right? Because it's feeding curiosity. Yeah, and just from your, just from seeing your past guests, like you've had musicians on the show yeah. and you've had d- d- doctors on the show, yeah. just people that like do really awesome stuff Yeah. that, you know, like, and I think because people sometimes, like you said, they think like, oh, I'm not a celebrity or that's not I'm like, not interesting. I'm right? not in- but so many people are interesting in their own ways. That's such yeah. a, pr- and I, that's why I love this podcast and the <laughs> idea of it. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like you just get, you just ask people for their story, right? Right. What, what are the things they've had to deal with? Like, what are the things they use as their own motivation or, or, or anything like that, right? Like your thing is movies, mm-hmm. broadly speaking, right? Movies and entertainment, and you you absorb more inf- information in that way than anyone I I know probably. <laughs> and oh. it, but it, but it's like one of those things. Come that the, you know, you're you're a new version of like you know Ebert or Roper, right? Like you could be that guy who writes in the newspaper, but oh. instead you're you use your format in in YouTube format, right? And you could even do that on in like short blog posts if you still chose to do that one oh, that's day. That's a good idea too. Right? You know, like you could do that if you wanted to and you could find like I think if you use WordPress it's free to start your website. And you know, you got to do, you know, minimal like fanciness, right? Like you got to this have an outlet. Yeah, you already have like you just you already have your logo and things like that and that's good. That's like really all you need and you have a name, you know, and then you could just start doing it and then like all the stuff just kind of falls into place as you just embrace the process. I love process. That's like my thing. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a great word. <laughs> like, it, like everything I do is is all about just finding how to cr- create something. <laughs> oh, totally. And I kind of I like how this is kind of on the same subject, but this is a question I've been wanting to ask you because yeah. it kind of relates to. I like how in the beginning of your shows you do book recommendations. Yeah. And I want to know what are some comic book recommendations? Oh, comic for, book for the viewers. Oh man. So currently I'm reading a lot of Spider Man still. The Amazing Spider-Man is my favorite for the Spider-Man series. There's, like, four different ones now. Because <laughs> there's, like, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, and then there's, like, Spider-Gwen, who's a spy- spin-off where if Peter Parker had died instead of Gwen, and Gwen, and Gwen had become bitten by the spider. Oh, okay. <laughs> I oh that's awesome. Yeah. It's a cool, like, an alternate reality Yeah, thing. if you Google Spider-Gwen, you can see her costume. Mm. And there's a lot of cosplayers. It's, like, the white and Oh, red. yeah, like in the Spider-Verse. So, yeah, yeah, it's actually in Spider-Verse. Mm. So that's Spider-Gwen, the actual one mm. they created for the comic book. Mm. 
uh, from, I read Star Wars comic books, so the Darth Vader comic book is amazing, absolutely fantastic, and right now they're doing a little, like a mini-series of like, um, I think you saw, yeah, we saw Vader's castle in, what one was it? Oh yeah, Rogue One. Yeah, it was and a Rogue like One. On yeah, the, the kind of like yeah. by the fire on the, on the mountain of yeah. the, the the flaming mountain on Mustafar. So that that's what they're doing right now in the comic book. They're creating Vader's castle. Oh, during, that's awesome. During the in between period of Episode Three and Four, mm. um, so that's really cool. I, I always for me Star Wars is the the Sith like religion and history stuff that's always been part of my draw to Star Wars. I, I read a lot of the books. I've read a lot of the books from back in the day, like. Um, there's like a legacy of the force stuff that was like 40 years at, so this is before they made we're going to make new movies right so they did like this series that, so this is no longer canon anymore but they did like this spin-off where it was 40 years after return of the jedi so luke has recreated the jedi order he's now the grand master and he's married and has a son named ben skywalker and <laughs> and ben is is like named after obi-wan basically and <laughs> It's kind of like the story of how, you know, and, and then Han Solo and Princess Leia are married and they have like three kids and one of them was a little boy and got killed and his name was Anakin. And in the story, but they, they really build upon the Sith lineage and culture and all that stuff. And like one of their, uh, Caden, Kate, no, do, 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 do. Jason, Jason Solo, uh, he, he turns into dark side in the story and stuff okay. like that. And they really go deep in like how he like you get that sense of how he falls to the dark side in some way and it's like one of my favorite stories and so it's not really a comic book but there's a there is a legacy of the forest comic book that follows a different storyline that's pretty cool and that's that's even farther in the future with uh and that pulls in more artwork from some of the sith mythology too where it's got like the tattoos like darth maul if you oh, okay. look at darth maul and stuff like that the those are really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's so, such an awesome character. So yeah, so, so Star Wars and Spider-Man, and then there's a couple like spin-off ones of uh, like Deadpool and Spider-Man where they do like a team-up thing. Oh yeah, and that's silly. <laughs> I know that's a movie people have been wanting oh, for a while. Oh my god, I don't even know how they would do yeah, it. Yeah, they probably they pro that they couldn't be canon. I don't know. I don't know how they would do it because Spider-Man is totally PG mm -hmm. and Deadpool is totally not PG. <laughs> yeah. And if you have a movie with Deadpool, it's not gonna be PG. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be absolutely fantastic if they did. <laughs> it would be a bucket list of mine. Actually, so now if we back up a little bit, mm -hmm. thoughts on Venom? Venom, I definitely, uh, when we were, when Alex and I were did our review of that one, he said something, we, uh, we were kind of talking about some of the, we thought in regards to negatives of the movie, some of the stuff was, like the lab stuff was kind of generic, but then we also, like, but, like, then they would throw these, like, there'd just be, like, this really awesome part in the movie. So I think the movie had just so many, like, like, the underlying foundation might have been generic, but, like, mm -hmm. so many of the, the parts were just really interesting. And I, think, yeah. and I think they did some really unique stuff with it. The relationship with Betty and Venom was so well done. I thought they did a really yeah, great job. Yeah, I thought that was a really good job. Um, and then um, I really liked the... Uh, just the way they would, like, Venom, like, saying, you're welcome, or, like, yeah. no problem, was, like, hilarious. <laughs> that was so well done yeah. on that part. So, for me, I, I, so Venom has a comic book again, too, now, and they've rebooted it since, uh, earlier this year, I think it was, like, 20 years of Venom, something like that, or 30 years of Venom. So, they had, like, a, a comic book event, basically, where they're commemorating his creation, basically, and kind of rebooting, or rebranding the series, and kind of re-updating, like, what their vision of Venom is, you know, for going forward. And for me... You know, I, I thought a lot of the criticism for, for Venom stemmed from a lot of what happens in from these comic book movies is is casual fans 
and mostly from like the reviewer standpoint, right? They don't understand the characters from a deep comic book level, right? So you got a two-hour movie, but then you got thirty years of oh, content yeah. that's so hard to, of content yeah. that that's created about these characters, and then the movie is literally pinpointing into like one section of what they're using as their reference point for a character like Venom, mm. and so I, they use a, a series called Lethal Protector for the Venom movies as their as their blueprint, and Lethal Protector was it was part of where Venom had left. New York, like Spider-Man had a truce with him and said, okay, you can do your thing, but you can't kill people or you got to go and leave. You got to go somewhere else. And so he left and went to San Francisco, right? Okay. And then it was kind of this thing where he became an anti-hero kind of like in the movie, right? So they got that part right. But I think when people, like, if you did a quick Google search on Venom, you look at his Wikipedia page, he's like, oh, he's an arch nemesis of Spider-Man, right? And then you're like, oh, wait, Spider-Man's not even in this movie? This is stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 yeah, they... The, the, they did it like the best way they could without Spider-Man. Yeah, like, without having him in it. Yeah, they definitely like you. Like if you if you like, no, I don't think people should go into that movie thinking that like that. It's not yeah. a good way to do that. I, I think the other part too is that the the stuff they were able to add in because of comic book, right? It's still images. You can't see things happening. I think the interaction of symbiote and and the the host stuff, where it's like, how does it biology like the science of it work, right? From my from my own lens, I enjoyed that part of it. Like, how does the science of like oh, totally. having a symbiote inside your body and like how does your body change and adapt to it and all that kind of stuff? I thought that was cool. Um, granted, like the the one negative I would say was like the the nemesis, like the bad guy part of it was was kind of weak writing, you know, from yeah. from, from that part. But I think part of it is like hard to like, you know. You're trying not to like overshadow the movie. Like if you make a really strong bad guy, but the movie's literally Venom, right? Like so, you don't yeah. want to make <laughs> you don't make the, yeah. you don't want to make the the best part of the movie the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and they definitely succeeded in making the best part of the movie Venom. He right. was always fun to watch. Uh, it was interesting too that they showed like a she Venom. Yeah. Oh you yeah. You know right? Yeah. Um, but I think what really got me excited is the post credit scene. Yeah. Minus the crazy wig on. Uh, <laughs> what was it Woody Harrelson? Good old Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like minus the crazy wig, where it looks a little silly, I, I think it's okay in 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 overall aspects. Like I really, I, I like the the nemesis, like the duo of Venom and Carnage has always been like a dream thing for me. But the problem is, is like Carnage as a character is extremely, 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 extremely dark. You know, he's a serial killer, or at least the uh, Cletus Cassidy is, is who the host of Carnage symbiote. And if you Google him, he's literally a serial killer, and it's not... It's like something out of Deadpool, but, like, times ten, or a hundred. <laughs> Venom's almost like a like a, like a, like a G-rated character compared yeah, to him. Yeah, seri- like, a hundred percent. Like, so, to me, like, if you do you got it, if you do it right, it's gotta be rated R, in my opinion. Like, or at least it has to be implied. It's in some way, like, very explicitly applied that he's, like, insane. <laughs> yeah, because they... I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I hope they call it Maximum Carnage or something. Venomax, <laughs> just because of the, or the video game they had in the '90s yeah. or whatever that was called. That's so funny that you remember that. <laughs> or something. I don't. Carnage. Yeah, they. I'm just. I'm. I'm interested to see how they. Like, I love. I love it. Like, uh, it's gonna be cool to see his look in the live action. Yeah, me too. Because like, so Carnage as a symbiote has always been one of those like really distinctive silhouette because like Venom is usually kind of normally humanoid shape but where Carnage his like a symbiotic ability is he always creates weapons out of his hands kind of like how um, Riot did oh yeah he in the end of the movie where he's always creating these different like basically weapons that slice or something and that's kind of like where I 
because they've also had comic books of Carnage and stuff and the symbiote stuff and some of that like artwork they've done it's like that photorealistic art where it's like really real looking like it's it's kind of like screen printing I'm trying to think of where if we have anything down here where I can point to it but yeah like they, they just do very photorealistic like art style for for some of the symbiote stuff in the in the years past and that's like my favorite art style in comic books and oh I, it I, looks so cool yeah it just looks so real right yeah. you know and I, I think that's part of like what drives me like for some of the symbiote stuff like where you have venom like the symbiote coming out of him and like the symbiote's head is talking to him oh, like, like, like Eddie. yeah like i think that is so cool <laughs> and I, I think that's where like you couldn't have done a movie like venom until now to make it believable, right? Because like, because if they would have done um, the this movie years ago, right, where CGI was still new, is that movie The Abyss, the one with the, the, oh, the yeah, water, with the, the water the, face, James, <laughs> James Cameron, I believe yeah, it was nineteen eighty nine, I think. Yeah, where that was like one of the first CGI faces or like fluid <laughs> dynamics that was created in a movie. Like if you try to do that, that's what it would look like, right? It would look terrible. Yeah, that's how it would pull off. Yeah, it would, it would never have like felt right you know like then i would now they could create a hero like or an enemy like hydro man and spider-man you know and do or sandman like remake sandman because it's kind of the same idea right it's just adding texture to the particles to make it believable looking <laughs> dang i wonder if they'll do sandman again i wonder how different that was so look. one of my dream movies mm. would be sinister six. Oh, I, I hope they get to do and, that well see here's the thing is they were setting up for that for the andrew garfield series mm. Right? Because at the end of the second one, they showed, like, that inner workings of uh, Oscorp, and they had, like, the six doors open up, and there's, you couldn't, you didn't see everything, but you got a good eye, you could, like, freeze frame and see what each one of those rooms had equipment for all those different heroes, right? Or enemies, rather. Not, they're not heroes. <laughs> <laughs> like, to me, I, I think that would be really cool. Because oh. then you, because then you could center the movie around the Sinister Six, right? But then Spider-Man is, like, the... The bad guy. The quote, like the quote-unquote bad guy, right? Like, wouldn't that be interesting, right? Like, you turn the tables and you center around, you know, a Doc Hawk or something like, like that. Oh, totally. And if they... <laughs> so right now in the in the Tom Holland movies, they have Vulture, they have... They've set up Scorpion. Oh, they did set up Scorpion. The uh, Oh, right, yeah, because that was Matt Gargan at yeah. the end of the movie. Yeah. He, that guy, that actor's awesome. Michael Mando. He's awesome. Better Call Saul. I've watched that show. If oh, you is he really? Chance. I yeah. haven't watched that one. I watched all of Breaking Bad, and Breaking Bad is absolutely oh, fantastic. Oh, such a great show. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they have uh, Vulture, Scorpion, Mysterio in the next mm-hmm. one. And Oh, yeah, they just announced who they were going to hire, or who's playing the Scorpion. Or not Scorpion, Mysterio. That's cool. Yeah, so I, and I, I'm trying to... And they oh they said they have the shocker in homecoming too. Oh yeah, you're I right. I forgot about this. so they have they have a couple couple little things in there. So I definitely yeah. think that movie could be coming sooner than later. Yeah, I mean it'll probably be either next year or the year after at the very least. Well, no, it had to be after Avengers. Yeah, so maybe they'll start production because he's technically dust right now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Which is such a weird thing to think that there's characters that are quote unquote dead right now that you can't that can't appear for at least the next year. <laughs> They're gonna have to be. How are they gonna market Far From Home? That's what always makes me. I'm so interested to see. Ooh, that. It's like an alternate universe. Woo. Yeah, they 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 should totally do something. Like, they have the perfect villain to kind of do that kind of marketing. Like, mm-hmm. like there are someone. Oh yeah, you're right. Just say, or have like a, just a, like or the, they could do the marketing like where's Spider-Man like if people mm. in New York like where's Spider-Man and yeah then, well I guess they probably with the snap there's probably a lot of other more worries <laughs> yeah. going on than that yeah I think it was a weird ending and it was weird to be in the theater when like the movie ended because like like the guy next to me I remember really viscerally he was like really Marvel <laughs> because he's like really this ends like this like it's terrible like for the for the layman right like 
if you've been exposed to anything convoluted, you know Thanos, he kind of wins every time, <laughs> at least beginning, right? In the kind of snap thing where he, like, destroys half the world or half the, you know, people disappear, yeah. that's pretty par for the course, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. And then it's kind of like your standard, like, comic book ending where it's like, oh, right when everything looks the worst, you know, everyone thinks it's over, right? And then, you know, they have to figure out and, you know, save the day and make everything normal again. And I, I think this is, like, the first real comic book-esque ending, except if you count um, Iron Man 3, right? Where he kind of, like had to destroy everything oh and, like, yeah the movie yeah and, i like that ending you know and there was, like, that was like half th- halfway through the movie i kind of had that like mm-hmm. resurgence kind of idea which is cool I, I think you know sometimes it's it's for these movies as a superhero thing you kind of go in you're like well the superhero's gonna win <laughs> right <laughs> and so for this big one to be like oh they actually weren't prepared and they don't actually win right even though you kind of thought they were gonna win right up until that point because they kind of turned the battle and all that stuff and whatnot. Yeah, you saw, like, Thor <laughs> coming in, you're just like... Yeah, after he spent all that time making the new hammer and stuff like that, which is, like, an axe now. <laughs> yeah, the snap was one of those things where, like, you, oh, you, knew, you knew it was going to happen, but you didn't, you didn't think it was... You didn't, yeah, you, you didn't think it was... You thought like, it could have happened, but you're like, no, it's, no, it's not going to work. No, they're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it's like, they won't. You're not. You or, did it. Or the Why we, oh, it was... And, like, even even when you knew characters were probably going to come back for the sequels, their movies, you still... It was still so well done, that yeah, whole scene. Yeah, I mean, it's still... I mean, they really did a good job of being like, oh, like, fuck. Like, why? Like, like, this is actually happening. I mean, especially, too, because, like, you have a relationship with a lot of these characters because you have them in other movies and things like that. And then that kind of brings me to Black Panther. Because I think that was a movie that it looked great trailer-wise... But then it was, like, a sleeper success. Because I think that's really... Like, that movie's kind of done what um, the Batman movies did for char- Batman, like Batman's characters. Kind of revitalized this, the, the hero. Because I, cause to me, Black Panther was never really anyone that was super interesting or... You know, not one I... Like, I knew of him, but I didn't really care. It was just kind of like, eh. He kind of comes... I knew of Wakanda and stuff like that, but I didn't... It didn't resonate in any way. I didn't know anything about the character. And so... I think that they the portrayal of it in the theater really kind of like leveled it up. <laughs> so, oh, totally. it was just so cool seeing that film become like this pop culture phenomenon. Yeah, especially like when just four months later there'd be another pop culture phenomenon. Yeah, in the same universe of films. Yeah, it was like a part of the setup to make that movie or to make Avengers is what what it was with Thanos coming and things like that. And then even like the like the his sister, the Siri, I think her name is right. Mm-hmm. Her she has her own comic book coming out now. Oh, yeah, like, see, like, see, her character I mean. is going to be, like, see, yeah, like, in, like, ten years, kids will be talking about Shuri, how we were talking, yeah. which is, which is great, I mean, I think it's, it's so awesome. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's any shortage of characters you can make stories about now, right? Like, like, when I, when they first created Miles Morales Spider-Man, when I first heard about him, I thought they were kind of pandering to, you know, trying to diversify, reach a different audience, things like that, right? And then I, like... I, I stayed away from it because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm reading my own comic books right now. I don't really want to read too many more because it just costs more money, right? <laughs> Which, I mean, granted, they're not super expensive, but then it's like, once you get in, you're like, yeah, I don't yeah, want to I, I, I got to keep reading. Right. Yeah. And then I kind of, like, picked up on it after a while, and, I, I you know, I kind of like, read stuff about, like, the creation process from the Brian Michael Bendis, who was the creator and writer of uh, Miles Morales as a Spider-Man, right? And I read stuff, like, why he created the character and what he's, his vision of it was, right? And then after, you know, I got past the surface level things, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, because to me, it was weird, because I'm like, P- Spider-Man is Peter Parker, right? So, like, when you take Peter Parker out of Spider-Man, I'm like, what are you working with? 
right? <laughs> yeah, Peter Parker, Spider Man is definitely probably the. I mean, I know a lot of I know a lot of characters do this, but yeah. he's probably the most well known in the sense that he has the most versions of him, like that are yeah. different, different people. Yeah, and I think they. Yeah, they they've done a really nice job with the different iterations, and I think that's yeah. And, uh, well, and I think, too, so, like, the first Spider-Man comic series I got into was the Ultimate Spider-Man. So that was, like, around 2000, I would say. So it was kind of, like, their first rebranding of Spider-Man. So it was, like, a Spider-Man, they wanted to take it back and, and go and be, like, what if Peter Parker was alive today, right? So it was, like, right around, I want to say, when I was in junior high that I was reading it. So Peter Parker was literally my age yeah, or, in- or in high school. You know, and so that arc of Ultimate Spider-Man followed, and it was kind of like that photorealistic art style too, and it followed this Peter Parker growing up, and by the end, you know, spoiler alert, he gets killed, and that set the stage for Miles Morales. He, you, you see the comic book leading out of that, he gets killed by the Green Goblin and things like that, and Miles Morales is watching on TV and sees Peter Parker or Spider-Man, and then people find out, oh, it was this kid, he goes to high school, you know, and he was this hero, you know, and he becomes a symbol, right? And then Miles is, is, is sees it and, you know, is affected by it, goes to the funeral and things like that because it becomes an entire phenomenon for the universe. And his uncle, Uncle Aaron, is Prowler. <laughs> oh, oh right? that's, uh, is that the Donald Glover's character in Spider-Man Homecoming? Yes. I think that's... Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really interesting because they've really added a whole bunch of layers to Homecoming that can set up things. Oh, totally. You know, and I really enjoy that. And so Prowler goes into Oscorp and Oscorp is trying to recreate the spider experiment that created Peter Parker. And one of those spiders gets out, goes back with Uncle Aaron, and then it goes to his apartment and then... Miles Morales gets bit by a radioactive spider and somehow gets spider powers out of it, right? So kind of like, oh, history repeats itself in some way. But he doesn't realize it right away, and then he kind of realizes, oh, no. Like, I have this thing, right? And because he was affected by the story of Peter Parker and then he realized that he has those powers, he kind of accepts the mantle of Spider-Man again. Like, because it's not just just the, you know, it's like... Spider-Man represents a thing, right? Like a core ethos, right? So it's like a passing of the torch in some ways in that version of the story. And it's really interesting, right? And that's kind of what Spider-Verse is going to be about. Yeah, you know, so and, I, and I think that's really cool because then you have like the, the Spider-Verse where it's like Peter Parker from a different world where he's older and been Spider-Man for a long time <laughs> is going to be mentoring Miles. And I, I, once that like started showing up and like there's been crossovers in the comic books called Spider-Men instead of Man <laughs> where they're together for the first time and things like that and setting at the stage is, I think that's cool I think it's really really cool because you get this really weird sense because Spider-Man was one of those heroes up until recently uh, that didn't have a mentor right like he looked up to Captain America Tony Stark and all those people but never interacted directly with them in the comic books yeah he kind of swinging around doing well, he's thing. always his own solo yeah. act right <laughs> and then he like he always looked up to them but never felt like he was one of them <laughs> and and it was it's kind of cool that for him like for Spider-Man to be the one who carries the torch and sets the stage for those things because he kind of has he's a very different role than many other ones because a lot of the other heroes are very big like big scale like you know mega save the world all the time things where Spider-Man's kind of like lower scale not lower scale not like Daredevil or Luke Cage kind of like in the the uh, Netflix series but kind of like 
not always dealing with, you know, he's trying to figure out how to not lie to Aunt May or be on time to <laughs> do a date. <laughs> dropping off, dropping off pizzas. Yeah, stuff like that. Very, yeah, just I, relatable stuff. It's very relatable, yeah. exactly. So, it, to me, it, it's cool to be have, like, that mentoring thing kind of happening. And a lot of the stuff, too, is because I've read all of the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff, I can see how it sets the stage for the cinematic universe to some degree. Oh, totally. You can definitely <laughs> see the ultimate inspiration. And, like, I think so many of the films are, mm-hmm. like... And pretty much all the ultimate iterations of those characters are. Uh, I know the there's a sh- I know there's a shot in like the Avengers. Some of the Avengers, the lot of the Avengers was inspired by the Ultimate yeah. series. Actually, even uh, I think the inspiration for uh, Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson's portrayal came from Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man, because I think someone had. I want to say someone had like taken a picture of Samuel Jackson and then used his like silhouette. As the re reimagining of Nick Fury, oh, that's awesome. In hopes that eventually they could turn it into like a, a pitch for him to play the character or something like that. That is genius. And I don't quote me on this. Don't fa- no, fact I think check. I've heard like, something similar. Like fact check yeah. me because I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that was like a fun fact that they like had did like under the table kind of thing. We're like, hey, we're gonna just use it and maybe it'll turn into something because like he'll see it and then be like, hey, maybe I can play that role, right? <laughs> I, I lo- that is like that is a perfect. I'm so glad they did that. I, I might be spreading fake news here, but <laughs> the same. I'm, However it happened, I'm glad Samuel Jackson. I know. I mean, he plays the character great. Oh, it's awesome. Know? And I, I think that's cool. And and a lot of the how like the that father son dynamic of Tony Stark and and Peter mm-hmm. in Homecoming and stuff is is very much apparent in the um, Ultimate Universe as well, where where it was kind of Tony a little bit, and then it was also Cap, and then it was also um, Nick Fury playing those three father figures for him, which is interesting, right? Like, you kind of have these three different... A totally different viewpoints. Right, yeah. you know? Like, you kind of have these different people, and then, obviously, Spider-Man always resonates with Tony a little bit more <laughs> because they're kind of coming from that same science-y background. <laughs> things like that. It's it's always interesting to, to see where these things kind of evolve and develop. Um, overall, your... And do you have any other takes on the cinematic universe or anything like that like you that like strike you <laughs> talking points like um i i, I uh for what, what's on my mind right now is i just want to put it out there that yeah. I, I think captain mark and the winter soldier is that's my that's my favorite yeah favorite mcu film of all time and i think it always will be mm-hmm. i think i don't know if this is the right word for this but in uh, one of my render classes we i think it's kairos is when something is released perfect at a perfect time and, yeah. and i think that movie was just released like because when Avengers... I've heard that before. When, <laughs> I don't, it, it might be me just trying to sound smarter than I actually am. <laughs> but uh, when the first... Of, like, I can, I say this like now with a lot more confidence just because of how w- well they've done with the character. And I yeah. think I think the way they did the character... I'm not a huge fan of how Captain America was written in the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, back, I mean, I'm glad it happened in the sense that... like Same with Thor. like Their character arcs wouldn't be as awesome unless we kind of saw them kind of like... Because now Thor is like the most awesome character and everyone loves Thor. Yeah. He was great in the first event. I really movie. liked Ragnarok. Some of yeah. the humor stuff, like rewatching it is a little... Yeah, I mean, first time in theater is definitely yeah. more... It's re- a little tongue-in-cheek now that I've watched it a few times. I'm like, Ugh. like every, every other scene doesn't need a laugh track involved. Like, it yeah. doesn't have a laugh track, but you know, it's like every other scene sentence out of the people's mouth is a joke. It's a little, it's a little hard to watch after a while. <laughs> yeah, that one, that's a fun one. That's, yeah. That, that was... I'm glad... Like, that, that like, uh... Because what Joss Whedon did with the first Avengers movie is like that's such a hard task to do. Putting all those like that was right. the first time. I like, mean, setting up because it's proving that you can make this work. Exactly. Right? <laughs> but uh, Winter Soldier. So I remember like because Captain America didn't have that many like scenes in that movie where you're like 
this guy, like, because in the comics, you know, he's always up there with Thor and Iron Man as, like, the big three. Right, yeah. Or not as the big three, but, like, he's always one of the leaders. Right. And when the Winter Soldier came out, I was like, okay, this guy, they just did the development so well. The elevator scene, the boat scene, the <laughs> one of these, in, like, they show the speed so well, and he's doing the on your left, or when he, he could jump yeah. off things. Like, they really did the Super Soldier part of that so well. And I think that's translated so well to the rest of the movies, too. And it just... They, they've done his suits so well. They look so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love how they've done them. Yeah, I mean, the reimagining of the suits is, is really... I think that's part of the why it make You know, it's, it goes back to that believable concept, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, when you look at the suits from the old comic books, they look pretty dated nowadays, right? <laughs> you know, and then when you when you see yeah. the reimagined, modernized versions of these mm-hmm. things, I think it really adds yeah. to, the, to that realism of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where I think a lot of the DC stuff is pretty... They stay really true to the to the original designs of these characters and kind of don't stray too much. But then they add, like, with Spider-Man, they add the extra layer of believability, you know? I mean, even even Thor, to some degrees, it kind of has a believability aspect. Oh, totally. It's like battle armor. Like, yeah. yeah that's the one who would actually... If, 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 like, alien demigods existed, like, that's what they probably would wear. Right. Yeah. I, I think... It, and, I mean, Thor's a weird one, too, right? Because it's literally taken out of mythology. Yeah. Like, legitimately taken yeah. out. <laughs> that's... I like love the, how that works. Like, the entire thing. It's just, like, mythology. Like, legitimate, just transplanted. Just... Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna steal this... Gr- <laughs> this mythology just to tr- take it right and put it in our... <laughs> like, that's... And I know Hercules is in the... They have a, he's somewhere in Marvel Comics, so, too. So, this just... Uh, yeah, you're right. He is. But he's kind of a weirdo. <laughs> if I remember... At least in the comic books he's he's kind of like uh he would he in this pc culture age he would not go over well because he kind of hits on girls all the time and <laughs> and you were gonna say something before I yeah so that. i was gonna say guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. i think that was another one that was like a smash hit accidentally right oh yeah i don't yeah i mean because i knew zero yeah, I, I, I knew nothing about it but that first guardians of the oh, galaxy awesome. hands down amazing <laughs> period yeah it's so interesting because <laughs> that movie like you said the characters I think a few people knew of Rocket Raccoon just because of how awesome a raccoon <laughs> in a team would just, like, I think Or Groot. Or I Groot. think Groot is a, like a sensation too, accidentally. Yeah. And I think I think people had knowledge of those characters a little bit, but like, like you said, I don't think anyone knew who Ronan the Accuser was or Nebula no. was. I, I mean, pe- fans did, like really hardcore Yeah, the fans. people who knew of Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. themselves would know, but mm-hmm. I, pff, I didn't yeah. know. And I think what really... It just... It's so interesting because that movie, like you said, so many people didn't know about these characters. Yet it made over seven hundred million. Right. And then Justice League, a movie, and I and I don't mean to be sounding like I'm just you know talking bad about Justice League. Like I a think, Marvel fanboy. Or anything yeah, like I'm just bi- I, I'm, I'm biased. I'll let you. I'll tell everyone <laughs> I'm biased. I like Batman, but I definitely like Marvel way more. <laughs> but uh, but I but like. So like Justice League makes six hundred, I think six hundred fifty million or something like that. Okay. So like, if wow, you, that's crazy. So to think that like, if you'd have told this people like 20, 10, 20 years ago, like who, which right. one's gonna make more money? So it just yeah, someone would easily said Justice League, mm-hmm. right? Cause, yeah. I mean, especially too, because like, there's been cartoons of oh, totally. all that, of all the DC stuff has had cartoons mm-hmm. more readily available than any other one, right? <laughs> oh, totally, and they re- and I think what really. I, maybe that kind of not knowing about it benefited Guardians in the sense that you know, a lot of people maybe just went into it like, hey, this sounds cool. Yeah, it's a movie. I think yeah. they did. They made a really interesting movie, which is mm-hmm. the best way you could do a movie, yeah. obviously. And I think the characters too. Like again, mm-hmm. casting mm-hmm. really shows through. You know, Chris Pratt's role as Star Lord is fantastic. Oh, totally. Like he really does a good job of being that character. <laughs> yeah, and they totally took it like. 
who, who you're there's a character who listens to retro music and has a Walkman and wears right. cool leather jackets. Like you're gonna, and he's played by Chris Pratt. I mean, yeah, that's a perfect way to at least get like uh, some people that would not normally go. They gotta go see that. Yeah, I mean it's pretty cool, right? All right, dude. This has already been over an hour. It's been an hour. It's an hour. hour oh my gosh! Uh, Twelve minutes right now. This has been awesome. So, any last shout outs or anything like that you want to say? And oh. There'll be, there's always time for a round two, so don't worry oh, about I'm it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Uh, I just want to thank you, Eric, for having me on the show. Yeah, this has been awesome. Course. I love what you do with this, and I think it's... I love... You just have so... I think I think you said it perfectly. Like, everyone has something interesting about themselves, <laughs> except for me, but everyone... Hey, you got a lot of interesting things <laughs> to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, it's so cool seeing the, the book recommendations, too, and... Uh, Kind of going on a superhero route. So excited for Captain Marvel. So excited for Avengers 4. Spider-Man Far From Home. So excited. <laughs> and I'm, that Comic-Con after Avengers 4, they're going to probably announce all their movies coming out. Watch Daredevil Season 3, by the way, everybody. It's awesome. Oh, my God. It's episode 4 has an 11-minute one-shot fight scene. Oh, so, did, have you watched it? Yeah, I finished all of it. Yes. I, so that could be a whole other show. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, just like, the way Kingpin is played in that series is so true to the old style of kingpin for me that i i really enjoyed that and just like the the visceral dark i like dark you know when you make it gritty and don't blunt the edges so to speak where everything is kind of like really personal and stuff like that i, I think that that's what makes it shine through as a series you oh know? totally do they do such a great job with the tone and that's another show yeah. kind of and like literally, like that's a show. Like I can't watch it during the day. I have to be like, really? it has to be like ten o'clock at night in my basement, all the lights off. Or totally, it totally like kind of like solo. Like it totally, that's hilarious. It ruins the immersion a little bit. Yeah, less. I like, mean, to me, like I, I've loved that. That kind of like reaffirmed some of the stuff from Daredevil for me as a character because I just love, like it's one of those heroes, right? Like he doesn't have really superpowers. He's almost like Batman, but like he, he just goes in there like the boxer's mentality literally and he just fights fights right? and he's, oh, he's and it, like awesome. he doesn't it doesn't like cut corners where he like when he gets his ass kicked he really gets his like, <laughs> yeah like you like, see you him you see it like it's really visceral and like, how does this guy get back out right that yeah. stuff I, I, I like I like Daredevil's character and I think the the characters that have spawned out of it you know with Elektra and the Punisher oh, and two all those characters. portrayals yeah. is really cool and, and how they've um, portrayed the Kingpin is also very true to the to how I think you can portray these characters that are com- like I think part of the villains in, in the comic books is very narrow, right? You know, it's kind of traditional villain scheming, you know, top of the ca- tower kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, mustache twirling. Right. Yeah. We're and now you know petting the cat you know, <laughs> in one arm, but now like they get to add so much more to the characters and so many different things, right? Like there's a very deep psychological element to Daredevil, and we like I said, we could go on this for another whole hour just talking about Daredevil, which. No, whole other reason to get you back on here oh, at some point. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I really love that show and the fight scenes are one of my oh, favorites. Oh, so too. well done. <laughs> and I think Jessica Jones season three comes out in the fall, so okay. definitely excited for that one too. So do you th- so just as a final wrap up question, <laughs> what do you think will happen with Iron Fist and Luke Cage? Do you think it'll, they'll combine um, them? My heart says they're just it's a marketing scheme to say that this. This is not it at all. But this is Mark. Uh, the Thanos snapped them out of existence. And they're just gonna <laughs> and they're gonna come back in a Heroes for Hire show on the Disney streaming network. But that's absolutely probably not gonna happen. They, they. I hope they bring it back. They, I mean, there was a speculation that they'll t- do a duo show. Yeah, they. So that'd be the perfect way to bring it back. 
I, I, they could do so much with the new streaming network. I know they're trying to push stuff on there, mm-hmm. but it's just it's an interesting situation because like Netflix kind of owns them the rights to these shows, but Disney owns the characters. So I don't. Right. I know there's a lot more. Yeah, the, to I it. mean the the stuff I read was that basically it was like the network is the one that says yeah we want another one, mm-hmm. and then it's up to the the producers of the of the show to be read just to be ready and start working on it. So it was basically Netflix call to say nah we're not we're we're done. For now. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm hope yeah, because they definitely, I'd hope they bring him back at some point, some yeah. way. Or that, or at the very least, they'll just making space for more, more projects. Exactly. You so. know, I mean, because the stuff has there's so many characters, right? <laughs> oh, totally. Like you said, there's characters that could there's like t- tiny supporting characters that for characters that we don't even know yet, but those characters, their side characters become bigger. Who knows what could happen? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, man. That's it for the episode. Thank you so much, Eric, <laughs> for having me on. It was a great time. I appreciate it, man. Till next time, everybody. See you later. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it and learned something and hope you fed your own curiosity. You can support the podcast directly at anchor.fm slash feedingcuriosity, well, one word, slash support. Also, I'd like to thank the sponsors for this podcast as well. And I'd just like to thank Anchor for being able to be there to give us the platform to have it out there on all the platforms available to us podcasters. With that, everyone, thank you all one more time, and I'll see you all next time.